Please pray with me. God, who speaks a good news language, we admit listening has never been our greatest gift. We are easily distracted. Our minds run a million miles a minute. We doubt your faith in us and take the easy way out when it comes to hope. So today we bow our heads and ask for help. Settle our hearts, quiet our minds, steady our breathing. Help us to rest in you. Help us to listen for your good news. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. Listen now to God's word. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're taking a break this week from the overarching story that we've been following throughout Scripture so that we might focus 
for a time on this season of Advent. As you might recall, Advent is a season of anticipation, of waiting, watching, and wonder. It's not only the time that we remember the Israelites anticipating the coming of God, Emmanuel, in the form of baby Jesus, but it's also a time for us every year to remember that we anticipate Christ coming again, when Christ will make all things new and complete the work that he is already in the midst of doing, establishing true and eternal shalom or peace. Now, this peace is what we usually focus on in the second Sunday of Advent. And it's not just a peace that is the absence of violence, but a peace that passes understanding, a peace that is healing and wholeness, a peace that allows the wolf and the lamb and the leopard and the child to live together in harmony, and a peace that allows a little child to lead us into full communion with God and one another. This morning, the lectionary brings us the story of Zechariah, the priest and father of John the Baptist, and his prophetic prayer over his newborn son. But in order to really understand the verses that I just read, we need to back up and recall the beginning of Zechariah's story. Zechariah was an average person, a priest, and his wife, Elizabeth, a descendant of Aaron. He was in a division of priests, and they were on rotation to serve in the temple. And in the course of his ordinary daily work, it just so happened that he was picked by lot to burn incense in the temple. Hint for you, whenever the Bible says it just so happened, or and so it happened, it's a pretty good indicator that it wasn't mere coincidence. But as it so happened, Zechariah was in the temple burning incense, and the angel Gabriel appears to him, saying, do not be afraid, and then proceeds to tell Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth will have a son, whose name will be John. Now, This is not only shocking because, you know, it's not every day that an angel appears to us, but it's also surprising and shocking to Zechariah because he and his wife, Elizabeth, are far past the childbearing age and years. And so it's understandable that he would be a little skeptical of this occurrence. He might have dreamt of having a child early on in life, prayed for it, hoped for it, expected that God would eventually answer their prayers, but it just never happened. And so maybe over time, Zechariah started to lose a little bit of his faith and hope. So of course, he responds by saying, okay, prove it. And Gabriel's response is to tell him that not only will this prophecy come true, But because of Zechariah's unbelief, Zechariah will not be able to speak until he sees it come to pass. So for the next nine months, Zechariah could not utter a word 
And some scholars even think that he was deaf during that time. Not only has he had this holy and shocking experience, but now he has no way to talk about it. He's been in the temple for so long that people outside are wondering what has happened, and he comes out and can't talk to them. I kind of picture Zechariah trying to do this charades of trying to explain with expressions in his hands that an angel appeared to him and told him that his barren wife, who's way older than childbearing, is going to have a baby. But I can't imagine they would have understood him. Can you imagine this? Nine months of silence? I recently had the privilege of joining the high school youth on their Laurelville retreat. And near the end of the weekend, the youth are invited to spend 20 minutes in silence. Just 20 minutes. No phones, no talking, just silence. Yet even that is extremely difficult. And I would guess that maybe 50% of them get through the 20 minutes. But it's understandable, right? We live in this fast-paced, incredibly noisy world where from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we're surrounded by noise. It's extremely difficult to even find silence, let alone practice it. We wake up to alarms. Many of us turn on our televisions and immediately watch news or the weather. Maybe you listen to a podcast or audiobook while the coffee brews and you make your breakfast. The whole house is suddenly awake and you're rushing around getting ready for the day. And throughout the rest of the day, you're constantly bombarded by voices vying for our attention and time. So it's not surprising to me that even taking 20 minutes to be silent is all but impossible. It definitely doesn't come naturally. So I imagine that nine months of silence for Zechariah was extremely frustrating, at least at first. He probably spent years early on in his marriage hoping and praying for this child patiently expecting that one day God would answer their prayers. But after years of hoping and praying and no answers, again, I imagine that Zechariah's faith began to waver. Maybe he started to slack in his duties as a priest, just a little bit here and there. So I imagine at the beginning of his nine months of silence, He might have been thinking to himself, now you decide to give me a child? And I get punished because I asked for a sign to prove it? But I think, too, that over time, Zachariah's silence began to soften his heart. Maybe he began rereading the Hebrew Scriptures with new eyes, seeking to know the God that had done this holy and mysterious thing in his life. Maybe he stopped thinking about his own thoughts and feelings, 
and started listening more deeply to the words and needs of others. I imagine he probably listened to Elizabeth a little bit more than he used to. And maybe instead of immediately thinking of a response to someone's words, maybe he began to understand the true hearts and desires of those he listened to. I imagine he probably prayed more than he ever had before. And that in learning to listen to other people, he learned as well to listen for God's voice. I imagine that as he watched the baby grow in Elizabeth's womb, Zechariah's faith that had been wavering began to strengthen again. Now, I doubt that any of us have experienced nine months of silence, but I suspect that many of us have experienced frustrating times of speechlessness, maybe brought on by doubt or fear or hopelessness. I know at the beginning of the COVID shutdowns in 2020, there was a lot of silence because nothing was happening. And maybe at first you felt anxious, like you needed to fill the void. But I know for myself and for at least some of you that I've talked to, Over time, that silence actually became a really beautiful and wonderful time, an invitation to slow down and listen, listen to each other, listen to God, listen to the inner desires of our own hearts. So the day finally arrives when Elizabeth gives birth to a son, and the neighbors and relatives naturally assumed that his name would be Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth says, no, he is to be called John. Which, by the way, I kind of wonder, did did Zechariah just write down his name is to be John early on? Because Elizabeth wasn't in the temple with him, you know? But... Regardless, Elizabeth states that his name is John. And this is strange indeed because John is not a family name at all. And I think maybe the people around her just assumed that she was, you know, maybe taking advantage of Zechariah's silence to get her own way. Um, So they, of course, started motioning to the father to say, okay, but what really, what is his name? And this is when the moment arrives for Zechariah's repentance, his own moment of redemption. After nine months of silence, nine months of waiting and watching and wondering, nine months of deep listening to people and to God, the moment has arrived for Zechariah to choose whether he will believe the prophecy told to him so many months ago. And so he asks for a writing tablet and affirms what Elizabeth proclaimed. His name is John. This is surprising enough to the neighbors and the crowd, but then Zechariah is suddenly 
and immediately able to speak again. And the first thing he does is praise God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks a prophetic prayer of blessing over his newborn son. It's evident to me that there have been some profound changes in his personality and faith over these past nine months. He could have chosen to focus on himself and the fact that he could once again speak. Yet instead, Zechariah chooses to remain secondary to both God, his message, and his baby son. Zechariah's prayer conveys a sense of wonder that he's even a part of this holy mystery. He, with all his prior arrogance and unbelief, now basks in the love, forgiveness, and mercy of God. And this is why I love Zechariah's story. Because through this all-too-human story of puzzlement, half-faith, and dogged devotion to duty, God's saving purposes are dramatically advanced. Through this ordinary person doing what he normally does with a mixture of half-faith and devotion, God acts on a grand scale. I love it because this small story is part of the greater foundation of the story of Jesus and the story of redemption. And this is good news for us because it means that each of us, through our own all-too-human stories of puzzlement, half-faith, and devotion, God's saving purposes will continue to advance dramatically. Each of us, no matter how small we feel our role is, each of us is a part of laying the foundation for Christ's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God is almighty, all-powerful, and could have done it with or without Zechariah, with or without any of us. Yet God chooses graciously and lovingly to invite us in to this foundation work. Zechariah, as well as Elizabeth, Mary, and so many others in the Bible are real people. Real people hesitating between faith and doubt, called to trust God at a new moment in history. You are all real people. And you will at times waver between faith and doubt, especially during times of significant change and transition. And like Zechariah, you are being called in this moment, this new moment in the history of Swickley Presbyterian Church, to trust God once again, to trust the one who is acting on both the large scale and also takes care of the smaller human concerns. Your needs, hopes, and fears are not and will not be forgotten within God's larger story. 
And like Zechariah, God is already and will continue working through each of our seemingly small and ordinary lives, doing what we normally do, who with a mixture of half-faith and wavering devotion, hold ourselves ready for whatever God has in mind. So as I conclude my time as your associate pastor, let me leave you with a prayer of blessing like Zechariah's. Blessed be the Lord God of the universe, for God has looked favorably on all of creation and redeemed it. God has raised up a mighty Savior for all of us, just as God promised from the beginning that we would be saved from all our enemies, both external and internal, and from the hands of all who hate us, even from ourselves. God has shown the mercy promised to all of creation and has remembered the holy covenant, the oath that God swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and each and every one of us, to grant us freedom from fear, that we might serve God in holiness and righteousness all our days because of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you, Swickley Presbyterian Church, each of you is God's beloved. And your faithfulness to proclaim and faithfulness to live the gospel of Jesus Christ in grateful response to God's love will make it possible for you and others to see all of life differently, to love and serve God and one another without fear, because your future is already secure, to live as Christ's body and God's family, even when you disagree, to give freely of your time, talent, and treasure because you know that God provides. To pray with confidence, knowing that God hears you. To love your enemies and do good to those who would harm you. And to forgive as you have been forgiven. By the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and the kingdom he brings has already broken in upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So do not be afraid. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding dwell in your hearts now and forever. Amen.